0: Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Lego Movie 2, the second part, directed by Mike Mitchell and released in 2019. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Following the events of the Lego movie, Bricksburg has become Apocalypseburg, and Emmett and friends
1: must come together to defeat their new Duplo overlords. Uh, And as we usually do, we will do a spoiler-free section up front to tell you whether we think you should see this movie before we get into spoilers uh so yeah should people see the second lego movie
0: um yeah if you have seen the first one yes i mean um i think it's it's as enjoyable as the first one um i i still have kind of a bit of trouble with the animation it's very busy it's Mm. just not my favorite style but that's what these movies are and um you know, it's, it's fun. It's got some cool messages in there. It's got some really good jokes. I wrote a lot of them down. (laughs) Um, and some really like fun meta lines and all of that sort of stuff. And a really interesting meta thing going on with Chris Pratt that I thought that I really wanted to investigate a little more. That was really interesting to me, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. Yeah. I
1: also enjoyed it. I actually think it's kind of a shame what with this movie that it really didn't get, much attention or um, do very well because I actually liked it and I think it learned lessons from the first one mm. that made it a more interesting movie and that did a bit better with some things and examined some things in a different way that I think is really good. It's I still I found it yeah lots of fun. I liked what it had to say about uh, the way kids play and the way we socialize boys and girls and and how we expect them to play and things like that Um, and other things that I don't want to go into before we get to the spoiler section. So yeah, I I had quite a bit of fun in this. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this.
0: Yeah, um, I think it had a lot of things working against it though because once you've revealed the twist in the first movie, it's really hard to build one in this because we basically know what's going on. Um, it's, It's not the same. It's not got that same kind of Uh, surprise element to it. Um, And also I think people are a little bit over the Lego movies after Lego Batman and there's been some other stuff and I think it's just kind of – it's not got that surprise element that the Mm -hmm. first one had that made it that surprise hit. Yeah. So even though this learned all of its social lessons that it needed to learn, it doesn't have that kind of surprise hit word of mouth going for it. No, And also,
1: yeah, Lego Batman kind of was – unnecessary
0: yeah but yeah so we should probably get into the actual film mm-hmm. um and uh it probably says something that a lot of my early notes just right are about fury road and, like, fury road. and uh, like i've got three in the first sort of little like third of my notes and one of them says did they license fury road for this because there's so much but like a lot of the stuff obviously for this movie is licensed yes. right there's heaps of licensed stuff but they never actually directly like name drop Mad Max or Fury Road or anything like that. So I don't think they did license Fury Road for this. And yet there's so much
1: Fury Road in it. Mm, mm. So anyway. Yes. (sighs) I remember it's been like, two months since I watched this movie, but I did uh, I did a bit of a refresher this morning. But uh, the most overt one is probably when they have Nick Offerman's pirate character dress up um, like he becomes a car, a desert car, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's the more overt one. But I, I assume with the post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic wasteland, there are a few more.
0: It's it's not yeah a lot of it is just visually very similar mm. um but there's also like a car chase that reminded me of it if you like when Unikitty turns into the big truck thing mm. and stuff like that really reminded me of Fury Road and and the, particularly the way everybody is styled I think there's also a flaming guitar at one point yeah there like, is there is
1: yeah I think that's part of the Nick Offerman character guy yeah yeah uh, who's <laughs> I keep forgetting his name but I also wonder Man. if This is because Fury Road rewrote the visual language of what a post-apocalyptic movie is supposed to look like. I mean, Mm. Mad Max wrote the post-apocalyptic playbook really and it wrote a lot of the playbook around how we do car chases and how we film that stuff. So, I mean, it's not super surprising that – Uh, fury road has rewritten a lot of tropes and ways people make movies about that
0: yeah it just was it was really uh, i mean flaming guitars (laughs) Mm. is a pretty on the nose sort of thing that that's very much a part of fury road but yeah i also um have like just it's just a lot of quotes i've got a lot of quotes in my notes um Mm. like the opening has a hey an awesome like you know gritty voiceover from uh from elizabeth banks mm-hmm. whose name is lucy lucy, lucy. yeah I, I had to look that up as well i was like wild style yeah um yeah i did that too where she goes a grittier cooler more mature society apocalypse berg <laughs> yeah. um, which is really funny to me and and also at one point some i think um maybe it's the pirate the nick Mm. offerman character says um make everything awesome again or it might be batman yeah Um, the number of make something something again quotes in movies these days is huge like i feel like i write that down in every
1: third movie that we see it might have been president business who even who said it, oh sorry mayor business or whatever he's called now maybe but yeah i remember that as well but i mean the thing is these movies aren't that sophisticated like they love a reference more than Anything, and they're gonna do that.
0: Yeah, no, it's not that. It's not that so much. And as you like, can't
1: think about the apocalypse without thinking about that kind of language. You know, I'm now thinking it might be the Chris Pratt character, actually. No, oh, Rex. Because he still thinks.
0: No, no, no. Um, the the oh, the actual yeah, Emmett. Emmett, that's his name. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like you know the orange one. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I do really want to get into the Emmett and Rex thing. Oh yeah. There is a lot of really interesting stuff about toxic masculinity that is going on there that is especially interesting when you actually take Chris Pratt as a person as and as an actor into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um and the roles that he has been playing because Rex plays on the, the basically Emmett and Rex plays on the transformation of Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm as a person going from his parks and rec sort of personality into his like leading man personality, but his leading man personality is just dripping with these toxic masculinity tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you look at the Jurassic world movies, um, at least with star war, star Lord, it's called out a little bit, yep. but like in Jurassic world, it just isn't. He's just straight up yep. presented as this horrible,
1: toxic, yeah, I mean and and he's leaning into that and a lot of the a lot of what you hear him say in interviews a lot of the ways he's a lot more he's gotten publicly into hill song and all that kind of stuff. I th- like that, I think he was previously into I Hills. think he he might have been but he's like leaned into that mm. conservative side of his image in a particular way.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting especially because this movie really decries that. It's mm. basically saying that's really bad. Mm-hmm. Don't be this person. And yeah. yet that is the person that Chris Pratt is being. Yep. And that's the choices that he's making. It's so interesting. Mm. It is so interesting when you really consider like the career that he's taken yeah. on and the personality that he's taken on. I mean, he is my least favorite Chris. Well, I mean, he is my yeah. least favorite white Chris from
1: superhero movies. Um, there are definitely other Chris's that oh, I yeah. like less. But he, Yeah. he. But he's the, the fourth Chris yeah, all the time. The other yeah. three move around in position for me, but, yeah, I know Pine is your fave.
0: Um, yeah. I feel like there's four others, but there's only three others. Well, there's <laughs> three main others. I mean, yeah.
1: there's other Chris's you can bring in, obviously. Yeah,
0: so, no, uh, Evans, Pine, um, Hemsworth <laughs> Pratt and, and Pratt. Hemsworth, yeah. No, they don't tend to move. They're they very much set. <laughs> like, I've got, like, Pine, Evans, Pratt, uh, Hemsworth, Pratt, and, and it doesn't uh, move. That's – and I don't – The top three like...
1: move around for me often, I, I
0: don't dislike Chris Hemsworth. Like the top three are
1: all very much people I like, but yeah. they don't, they don't shift. And it, it's, um, Hemsworth's rarely number one, but they do shift around for me. Okay. The top I think
0: it's just, it's largely just like, apart from, I think Chris Pine is attractive. I, I find him the best actor and then Evans and then Hemsworth mm-hmm. in terms of their talent. Uh, but if well, I actually had actually, to put actually them, true. Yeah, yeah. If I had to put them in ranks of talent, as an actor, Pratt might actually be above Hemsworth, but he's a Pratt, so I put him well <laughs> yeah, like genuinely yeah yeah uh, Chris Pratt like is a genuinely brilliant comedian. Mm-hmm. He is a very, very talented
1: man. Mm. He just makes poor choices with his life, yes, and he kind of is a has a grating personality when he's not on screen. Mm. And Hemsworth
0: can do a certain thing quite well, but I don't think he can handle c- hold a candle to the other three in no. terms of his actual talent. But he also seems like a decent guy and yeah. a
1: fun person.
0: Exactly, yeah. But in terms of like acting ability, one, two, three, Pine, yeah. Evans, Hemsworth is is pretty much like it's it's – and then, you know, if I'm going to go see a movie with somebody in it, that's the order that I'm going to go. I'm Uh. definitely going to go and try and see stuff with Chris Pine in it. I like Chris Evans. And then if Chris Hemsworth is in it, it really depends on what the movie is like (laughs) in terms of whether or not I'll go see it. Although he has made better choices in terms of his movie career than the other two, given that he made two of my favorites.
1: Mm.
0: Although that seems to be more that he got in good with Drew Goddard than anything else well yeah so
1: he worked with one of your faves and therefore got to make more faves
0: (laughs) yeah because he he did cabin in the woods
1: and um el dorado el dorado thank you it's not el dorado it's no it's not it's bad times at the el royale Royale. yeah (laughs) that movie came out like less than six months ago seriously i know know, but i remember the movie really cheese i remember
0: the movie really well but i couldn't remember the title for a second but i love i love that movie but yeah um the yeah
1: the whole rex dangerous chris pratt thing like I mean, obviously Chris Pratt's doing a voice and in an animated movie, doing a voice is different than playing it live action. So, but it it must have been interesting for him to go to work and, you know, say all those lines and the lessons of, of that Emmett learns about toxic masculinity. And, yeah.
0: Well, I, I, it, it requires a certain, I don't know, lack of introversion, I guess. Lack to of introspection? Introspection, that's mm. what I meant. Lack of introspection to be one person oh. and then to do this in a movie
1: is odd yeah it's i really mean it's odd. good it's good because like i really do think that lord miller learned their lessons on this one because mm. they go into that with him and, the, and also with lucy i i do feel a little bit sorry for lucy but lucy in this one is a really interesting examination of like someone who's really internalized that the patriarchal behavior that society wants of her and she kind of like she's the one who clings onto it the most and it's kind of interesting the way they go into that whereas like someone like Batman for example he's gives it up a lot earlier gives it, he, he's more willing to kind of play with the girl stuff because Batman already comes from a position of like white male wealthy power whereas mm-hmm. Lucy doesn't I feel a bit sorry for her because she has to carry that basket um in the movie but uh, yeah I think the idiot ball she has yeah, well, to carry the idiot ball, well yeah she well, she has to carry the um it, you know even though she was written the way she was written because of tropes around strong female characters and you know women internalizing um masculine behaviors in order to get a get ahead in a patriarchal society, then she's the one who's got to learn the harsh lesson of that as well mm.
0: yeah, it's interesting, it's also um I don't know. It's I, fi- I found the whole thing with the hair and stuff weird because there's a, there's this sort of, oh, the, the girly stuff and all that sort of thing. But also it made me think about how as toys, they don't have any control over how they're designed. No. They are designed in a certain way and then they just are that, that yep. person. And, and these
1: movies make something of that because I was reading something about the animation um, before and because they introduced Lego Friends in this Lego Friends actually move differently to original Lego minifigs like they, Lego Friends can't oh, move their wrists. that's what those things are. Yeah they're slightly bigger and they can't move their wrists in the same way that the le- original Lego minifigs can and so there is like because of the way they animate these movies to make it that they the figures can only articulate in the way they'd, al- they'd already be able to articulate they don't have control yeah. they just are how they are. <laughs> sort of
0: bounce around yeah um yeah yeah. and there's this like there's also a lack of diversity in the female characters to a certain extent they are all girly and like that is the only i I mean even like so stephanie beatrice's character is an interesting note Mm. on this one as well in that like there's this kind of concept of what girl is that they haven't
1: Quite moved past yet. So here's the thing: Lord and Miller have learned some lessons, which is great. But this movie still has an overwhelmingly male creative team. Yeah, overwhelmingly. So they may have learned some lessons. They may have heard some things. I think there's even a female screenwriter who got involved at one point. But this movie's had like so many screenwriters and so many iterations, and took five years to make, and all this kind of stuff. That I don't know how much has remained of that. So yeah, there it's still a problem.
0: Yeah, I mean. It just would have been really nice to see, like, a Furiosa-type character who Mm. gets to stay a Furiosa-type character and just be who that is instead of having to become,
1: Mm.
0: like, traditionally girly in order for the story to work. Because at the end it shows all of this, like, joining together of, like, the – but the problem is it shows all this joining together of, like – girly stuff mm. and everything else yeah
1: it's like rather normal than... stuff versus girly stuff
0: right yeah, yeah exactly it's it's a very weird kind of
1: dynamic that they've got going on um yeah so there were in fact no female screenwriters credited i believe some were involved but yeah, no there's no women on the create in the creative team of this at all yeah it, that, that in the special effects or the writing or anything and it's yeah and it, it does show yeah exactly and that's
0: the thing is that like we their whole concept of what girl is, Mm. is so narrow that like all the cool stuff, then they, they have to subvert in order for the story to work. But in that subversion, they take away any diversity between those characters that, and I think the Stephanie Beatrice character is the most important point here. She started out as like this cool space traveler, kind Mm. of like mystery, um, you know, general mayhem. (laughs) Um, And then she takes off her helmet and she's like this candy-haired, you know, super Mm. girly thing. The same thing happens with Lucy, Queen, whatever I want to be, ends up being the heart that Emmett made in the first place. Like everything turns out to have been this really girly stuff, Mm. very kind of like traditional feminine Mm. stuff, instead of wanting to expand that and explore that a little bit more. It's not like the boy child is only playing with boy toys he's got lucy in there you Mm. know he's got unikitty in there Mm. like it's not like he's only playing boy stuff why is the girls except for Mm. (laughs) except for richard ayawade who i enjoyed quite a lot because he's richard ayawade and god i love him (laughs) he was great why is that so narrow yeah and then the the twilight jokes as well (laughs) yeah I had for, uh, forgotten about the Twilight
1: jokes. Yes, yeah.
0: with, with the sparkly, non-threatening, sparkly vampire, yeah. team vampire yeah. character. Like the it, it. I mean, it does hold respect for things
1: that are traditionally girly, mm. but at the same time, it's got this very narrow view of what oh, that, that is. Yes, yeah, that's right. And and this this is the thing, the lesson that they've learned is that being girly isn't bad, but they haven't really explored that.
0: Yeah, they haven't explored what what had the what <laughs> many manifold is.
1: ways that that can you know happen. What they have done, though, I think, which is nice, is that they've kind of reflected the real way that kids play. The sort of imaginative, non – like, kids don't just play with Lego. They play with all of their toys. And, you know, the Lego toys get involved with the other toys in the room and things like that. Well, some kids don't. I think it's – like, I think that
0: is more – uh, so the boy kind of did. Yeah, he, he did.
1: He, yeah, he had that he very – he was slightly older and he was taking after his dad who yeah. had segregated the Lego down in the basement, whereas the little sister, who's prob- who's still a bit younger than Finn was in the first movie, is more like cross-genre stuff. Like I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm thinking of when I was a kid, like I would borrow my brother's He-Man to play a part in Barbie weddings and things, like that kind of cross-genre play that kids generally – do engage in, especially when they're smaller and they um, and they're still just kind of like they're they're just pl- they're just playing with their toys. They're not here. Um, it's a bit. So the message of the first one is about when you're a kid, you don't like building the sets. Isn't that exciting? Getting blocks and building them together in interesting ways that fuel your imagination is the interesting bit. Mm. And this sort of expands on that and says it's not just blocks and Lego blocks that you put together. Kids have great imaginations and toys can fuel that in lots of different combinations that adults may not even think about where adults want to segregate it into a neat little set that you get instructions for and you build. And like kids are like, well, no, that's not necessarily how we play. Yeah, I like that.
0: That is neat. Um, I I would
1: say that uh, that's definitely not going to be all kids. And there are def- <laughs> of course, like, and of course, there are some kids for whom the structure of Lego is is great. Is, yeah, is, is a lot of the appeal really mm-hmm. yeah. that the structure of Lego and that they have a thing to. Yeah, but there is something about that. Um. Chaoticness of childhood that kids they haven't kind of regimented themselves sometimes in ways that adults yeah. tend to, and or regulated themselves or, or limited themselves in the same ways. And I think this is something that the movie tries to explore. It's I think it's a Lord and Miller thing to be honest. They seem to operate on a very fine line of chaos with all their movies.
0: <laughs> yes, which is probably my favourite part of their movies. And and um, when I say, like, the busy busy visual style, I actually really like the busy visual style of the um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs mm-hmm. movies. I don't know why, but for some reason that kind of chaos, like the party in a box stuff, works really well for me. I love that. But, like, the Lego thing, because they're so specific in how they do it, and that is really cool – it tends to be harder
1: for me to focus on. Yeah, I, I think um, I remember talking about this when we did Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Yep. When there's too much on screen, it's it's quite hard for you, and it's not for everyone. And there is a, there's so much going on on screen that you don't see everything, um, and it's got it's got to do with making it all out of Lego and things like that. But there is so much. There's yeah, they're tra- they're trying so hard to make the animation cool, and focusing on that side of it rather than actually. Streamlining the visual to tell the story, mm.
0: and I don't—I mean, there are things about the chaos of the Lord Miller style that I really appreciate, and that I think is great. I think they're actually quite good storytellers. They have mm. good, like, the, a good way of getting messages across. And uh, this one is, I think, even more than the way kids play, it's about cooperating. Mm. It's very much about cooper. It's very much about, like the the um the pictures of kids at the end with all their creations that yep. they made together. You know, it's very much about like using toys as a way of connecting and bridging a gap between siblings instead of like having separate ones and yeah. and you know trying to find ways to um enjoy playing
1: together um especially when not... there's an age gap because it's this one Finn's a bit older he's like tween aged mm. and she's still a little kid and that sort of and Lego's always been, you know, Lego's for everybody. You don't have to put it away when you turn ten or whatever. But there is also that learning when you're a bit older and you've moved past some things. There is still value in in playing with it with someone who's younger and who does things a different way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to mention my Rudolph mum for a second.
0: Please. Oh, yeah. Our Mummageddon. Our Mummageddon, yeah. from Which from the very beginning when it was called Our Mummageddon,
1: I think I started figuring out what it was. Yeah, well, and then they also have the sister universe or the Sester universe or whatever. Sestra, I think Sestra, it's called. But, like, yeah. it's all, I don't think... Uh, yeah, because that twist has been revealed in the first movie, I don't think they're trying particularly hard to hide it. No, it, not that
0: part, but the the fact that that, that mum was just trying to get them to cooperate and mm-hmm. if they didn't cooperate, they'd put the toys away was yep. kind of pretty obvious from the beginning. And that's what I mean by, like, you, you don't get to have that moment in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's not that kind of big surprise stuff
1: that made the first movie. So, Um, <sighs> yeah, the only surprise bit I think for a little audience would be particularly would be – that Rex was Emmett all who'd yeah. gone in a parallel direction. That's, that's the, the twist well, yeah, that they're going towards. Also get,
0: yeah, uh, get into that in a minute, but, um, but um, like, cause the, the thing is that there's a, there's a certain imagination stuff that happens in the first one, but then for that to be the case in this one, it doesn't, it breaks some laws of the universe that I'm not sure, entirely sure they knew they were breaking. But anyway, um, it's not just that. I think it, it, the first film resonated so much mm. because of that twist. Yeah. It was such a clever twist because it actually made the film more resonant, more emotionally resonant, resonant. Yeah. And this movie doesn't have anything like that yep. to carry it. It's just got, so like, even though the message is good and all that stuff, it just doesn't have this kind of really huge emotional resonance for a lot of people mm. that can carry it the way the first movie is carried. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the time travel thing, time travel thing was a real problem for me. Yeah. Because I'm like, that can't be the case, which means that the kids just made all of this up, but then, like, the kid then drops Emmett into the. Like, but. So we see that the figures actually moving and yeah. doing stuff. Does that mean the figures are actually. Like, does that mean they actually have sentience? Or is it that. The kid is imagining all of this because they, there's a line that specifically says we're in the mind of a adolescent. What is it? Yeah. I've got the line somewhere. I think.
1: Oh, good. Cause I, this I isn't even
0: really happening. It's the subconscious of an adolescent.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And if it isn't really happening, like is he, it's an interesting one though. Cause like as an adolescent, that is the whole, especially as an adolescent boy, there is that sort of, which path do I go down? What, what influences do I listen to? Kind yeah, of and I'm not looking at the messages or the themes or anything. That's oh, all The actual cool. physical, there are two characters that move around and one of them's, yeah. The, yeah,
0: the actual within-universe explanation, like the actual he is playing with some toys and he has two toys that are supposed to be the same yeah. toy
1: is not possible. Unless he really did lose an Emmet under the dryer and he bought a new one to replace the old, which... One, But then they couldn't like, – <laughs> Ellie's Leslie Jones ghost, Ghostbuster disappeared for a while. And so I went on eBay and found him just the minifig and ordered it for him. And then as soon as it arrived, the original Leslie Jones Ghostbuster figurine appeared again. So now we have two Leslie Joneses and then like the other three ladies just have a single version. And we, one is from the future. Yeah, exactly. No, but... So this is yeah. – But yeah, like, I mean, there is that possibility of like he, you know, he just ordered a new Emmett. But, yeah. There is – but then there would have had to be time that
0: passed then when when that was... doesn't exist within the universe of the film. Mm. It's very, very confusing in terms of Yeah. Like in terms of because we see the little figures mm. pick themselves up underneath the dryer. Yes. Right? That happens does that happen independently of the kid's imagination? Or is that not really happening independently of the kids' imagination? If it is happening independently of the kids' imagination, then time travel is real in this universe, and all we need to do it is a little, like um, a little flux capacitor (laughs) picture on a
1: like Lego piece.
0: Yep. Like, and if it's not really happening, then how does it work?
1: in terms of him actually playing out this scenario. I, I don't know. It's not something that I actually thought about. These are the kind of things you think about during movies that I don't always. Sometimes I do, but this was not something that that bothered me.
0: It's world-breaking stuff. Yeah. It okay. breaks the universe that they've created. Anyway, I, I want to get through some of the
1: notes and stuff. Yeah, if you want to do that because – Because we've talked a lot about the themes the Yes. And 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 that's the more interesting part. But yeah, get through the lines and stuff. Because I would very much like to get to the lines, some of the raptors lines. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. No, but I mean, the themes of it. Yeah. That
0: that concept of a teenage boy trying to choose which path to go down is really interesting. Mm -hmm. It just, (laughs) the way they choose to go about telling that story is confusing to me. But yeah, I just want to. I have something that says the aliens didn't go to the house. That doesn't make any sense to me now. Okay. Oh, there's a Shark Week joke, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> They're really going for it, huh? I mean, yes, this is... It's. A, I mean, it's a more literal Shark Week joke, but the fact that this one's so much more about girls and then they put in a sh- joke that's about periods is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also don't know what eat freedom means. Uh, oh, uh... yes, I do. It's when Batman is repeatedly shooting the Duplo thing and he goes eat freedom and shoots at it and it doesn't do anything oh batman
1: anyway this is still my favorite batman
0: not duplo thing the whatever it is anyway Mm. yeah i i was really disappointed by the the twist in the stephanie beatrice character because general mayhem was like such an interesting cool kind of character and to have her turn out to be just another one of the like candy pop girls that's the same as all the others and she's like oh i adopted that way of talking because i thought you would like it it's like (laughs)
1: yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's getting into that wild style Lucy stuff again. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it is exploring um, that same stuff. It's actually kind of interesting. Stephanie Beatrice playing it. Cause it's like, when you think about like Rosa Diaz and obviously like the way she Stephanie Beatrice in real life had to like tamped everything down to play this character. Mm. And then because it's at, Rosa is a TV character as time's gone on, she's got a lot more nuance to her mm. and you learn that there's more, more to her and, than just like. Being this tough woman, but yeah, it's uh it's interesting, but being tough is still part of her personality yeah it's it's not yeah then and this one is like yeah it, it, it's it's that uh God I was about to say manichaean. sorry, it's like that sort of very bifurcated view of femininity of like you can either be one way or another, and there's not there's not crossover and, and it's not just shades of gray, it also seems to imply that toughness is not part of femininity at mm-hmm. all, yeah, yeah, that's it, you either copy masculinity and and that's you're only copying it or you're inherently girly and sparkly exactly which yeah. is bananas that's not no, how I, that works no there's no like yeah recognition that people have all different kinds of traits and traits aren't inherently gendered yeah necessarily
0: the only, the only th- character that i can think of that kind of doesn't do that is um the queen Mm which is, I think, largely because of the Tiffany Haddish um, voiceover, which, by the way, is my favourite vocal performance in the whole movie. She's really great. She is so great. Her song is easily the best song. I don't care about that song that gets stuck in your head at all. Her Mm -hmm. I'm not evil song is the (laughs) crowning achievement, I think, in terms of the music in this movie. Mm -hmm. It is great. Yeah, yeah. But also, um, like, she gets to do a lot of different
1: stuff, Mm -hmm. but is still really focused on, like, weddings and things Mm -hmm. so yeah that's right she's still a ruler and also is into girly things yeah Yeah. i don't know if i don't know if he wrote it but you know who's the composer on this our old friend mark Mothersbaugh.
0: yes he is but the songwriter is is a different guy because he worked with somebody else yeah no i don't think he wrote the songs He, he just did the score but there's a there's a lot of references at the beginning to different characters that i missed oh yeah like i think we see velma for a second from Scooby Doo, but oh. I'm not sure. There's um
1: a um dystopian future Abraham Lincoln that's quite fun. For oh a yeah, no, that's I, I remember that one. It's actually played by uh, I can't remember the which actor right now, but it's a known actor. Yeah, plays him. Yep. Um, there's Larry Poppins. Larry Poppins, I remember. Yeah, uh, wrote that down. There's a line at one point that says
0: you're a total Hufflepuff. Somebody says that to Emmett, and I'm like,
1: the <laughs> best. Yep, because um, he is, and that was amazing. Yep. Oh yeah, they all go. So, I like. You'd have to watch this movie like four times to see all the all the little references.
0: Yeah and and the the way that they use language with whatever is amazing. I want to analyze it for like a month. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, like the you know word games and all that sort of stuff that she's playing. yeah, um, when she turns into something else and Batman goes the horse was much more palatable was very funny to me. <laughs> um loving spaceships is my one defining trait was also very funny to me also in that. Coming back to the problems we had mm. in that song, yeah. um, they give him, like, in his in the astronaut guy's um fantasy world, they give him, like, a pink astronaut to play with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's gross. That's the same problem that I've had. Yeah. That, like, and why is there a little pink one that is the girl astronaut? It's stupid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It directly references Stargate as well. Yeah, yeah the Stairgate. The Stairgate. Yep. Somebody called Batman Man of Bats, which made me laugh every time it happened. <laughs> yes. There's also I saw this movie in the middle of the day mm. in school holidays. Yep. Yep. Right? On the first Monday of school holidays. I was surrounded by children. Oh. So I you. really got the experience of what the kids were getting out of it. And at one point there's a kid who just yelled out, What's that? Before Emmett goes, Who is that? <laughs> which was really funny <laughs> to me. Um yep. but like I could they were pretty into it. Um, there wasn't uh. – like the adults were getting more fidgety than the kids were. Yeah, which is interesting.
1: I'm glad you had that because I saw it like on a preview at, on a Sunday night. So, mm. there were no kids in my screening. <laughs> but, yeah, I, um, yeah, that's interesting actually. It was also
0: very noisy and like they were running around a lot. Oh, but yeah, yeah.
1: it didn't bother
0: me at all because I'm so used to it. I barely noticed.
1: I mean, um, like, like, but you kind of want that in a movie. Like you kind of want – it's yeah. for kids. Like that's the whole message of these movies is that – Sometimes kids need kid stuff, and they need to behave like kids. Yeah,
0: there isn't um moment also early on in the movie. This is another reason why I don't like that general mayhem twist. Is where she says to um to our Style, the woman did all the work, and the hapless male is the leader. Which I was like, this was my whole problem with the first movie. Yeah, yeah. They're actually just directly telling us the whole problem with the first yeah, yeah. movie. Like,
1: yeah, Sorry, I didn't. I should have mentioned that they yeah. literally mention it. Yeah. yeah. There's a dying the
0: the tear. Uh, Raptors. raptors have a dino Wi Fi password, guys. Yes,
1: yeah. What's the Wi Fi password? I don't know. Ask Sharon. Yeah, no, very that was funny. All, everything those raptors said, which they had their own language, and yeah. it was all in subtitles, was just gold. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It was they. They were gold. They were like the probably mm. the funniest part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a
0: lot of funny parts. Chaps are leg vests. It's <laughs> something that like Rex says.
1: <laughs> then I started yes. wearing chaps, which are basically leg vests. <laughs> that's why i've written down vest friends yeah vest friends is something else he says yeah that's it's rex and and Emmett. yeah
0: also i noticed that i'm pretty sure rex has bigger arms than the Emmett like figure Mm -hmm. which i thought was really funny he does what did he say no regrets Mm. i do have one regret of not trademarking it (laughs) which i then wrote chef's kiss (laughs) because i thought that was like such a perfect joke oh bruce willis yeah yeah, there's a moment when, like, Lucy takes her hair off and goes, am I Bruce Willis now? And Bruce Willis is like, um, and then he's crawling through the vents and everything. And that was all pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, what? I liked um Jason Momoa actually playing Aquaman. Yes, I noticed that, too. There's a, also a theme in it, Mark Mothersbaugh, again, mm-hmm. um, that is Star Wars inspired, mm-hmm. but isn't the direct mu-
1: music from Star Wars. It's so good. Yeah. He uh, did such a good job Mark with that. Mark Mothersbaugh is a freaking genius. And yes. And the fact that he's not an EGOT is honestly a travesty. He, he did such a good job yeah. with that. Um, they still,
0: I don't know if they did this in the first one, but they go pew, pew, pew whenever they fire things, which is really funny. Yeah, no,
1: they did that. In the yeah. First one. I thought yep. they did.
0: Um, I want to know all the names of the dinosaurs. Cause I know two of them were called Ripley and Connor. Um, so I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. they're all named after like famous, um, female, female, sci-fi female characters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I-, I think they're also named after like, like, tough female strong female characters in movies Uh which is probably trying to make a point about what the movie Uh is saying
1: yeah probably there's that yeah i'm I'm just having a quick look through the cast list but it's too there's too many um
0: too many to be able to tell i was sad that i wasn't with you for the uh multiple wonder women bit (laughs) yeah yeah there's also um a device that rex has that he calls the cpd and it's the convenient plot device yes uh batman going i'm not going anywhere
1: and then going i stand corrected i am going somewhere when teleported away in a bubble (laughs) great (laughs) yeah i wrote at that point we can't all travel by bubble because that is where my mind goes whenever anyone travels by bubble you can't all come and go by bubble there's (laughs) the moment when rex (laughs) says
0: to emmet the student has become the teaching assistant (laughs) which i found very funny as well there was a (laughs) weird intermission moment there too that i was like what was that supposed to be um At one point, Rex says he's also a script doctor, which was very funny. And then the discussion of the two Batman, of the various Batmans, which was really funny as well. Oh, and then when there's the, when there's all the dog assistants, there's a shot of just one of them dragging its butt along the ground. (laughs) I missed that. It took me ages to figure out the ice cream was Ayoade. It's like halfway through.
1: Oh, really? I was like, I heard his voice and I went, it was the first thing I wrote. Hello, Richard (laughs) Um, The most
0: Popular joke with the kids I wrote down was the star vomiting rainbow glitter. Of course, yeah, that made like they like cracked up for ages after the star vomiting glitter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fair enough. And didn't catch a lot of the lines that I wrote down. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. yep <laughs> there's a moment when Lucy saves General Mayhem, and a kid in our screening said, "My screening said I was ready to say bye bye to her," <laughs> 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 which was amazing. <sighs> Uh, the Erasing of the Stubble Dots got me as well. Oh, yeah. That was funny. And there's a Radiohead gag that got a big laugh from the adults.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. I don't remember what the gag was. I can't remember that either.
0: That's about it. Cool. Oh, and also the the choreographers on this movie were um, Tabitha, Tabitha and Napoleon Duomo, who are um like so you think
1: you can dance alums and Uh,
0: i got really excited when i saw their names in those incredibly long credits that i
1: sat through wow i didn't realize because they that was something because i talked to you about the way the joints are articulated they brought choreographers in to work out the dance numbers because and and part of it was to work out how Lego – to make sure that they move like Lego. Okay.
0: Well, they're they – yeah, yeah,
1: they did a really good job. they hip-hop choreographers from So You Think You Can Dance. That and was, that's all the notes I have. Hooray. All well, there. actually, no, there's heaps more, but I'm not going through them all. Well, that's good because, because we've got another episode to record yeah. there, and then some live radio to do. So we're going to go do that. But, um, yeah, we should probably get into ratings then, I guess.
0: Um, I think I gave this three and a half stars, which I think is the same that I gave the first one. Mm. Partly because, yeah, it fixed a lot of the problems from the first one, has its own new, own new problems, really. But the jokes, a lot of the jokes, made me yeah. laugh
1: a lot. I'm also going with three and a half stars because I enjoyed this quite a bit, and I really, I really appreciated the effort it made to do better than the first one. Mm. So I'm, I think I'm pretty generous on that front with it. But also, it is just a lot of fun. Mm. These movies are fun. A generally a Lord and Miller movie will be fun. So yeah, three and a half stars for me. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.